You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 140 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, the one and only Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. I, I think that this is going to be a, a very interesting show today. It's strange that we don't have a game to tee up. We usually always have a game to tee up on a Saturday night, but not this week. Well, we have a game to tee up on Monday, and on it's Monday, kind of unlikely yeah. that, uh, you know, it's mid-June. Yeah, It's mid-June, mid-June and uh, yeah. your Montreal Canadiens are still playing hockey. Uh, yeah. And that's, I'd say that's pretty unlikely, and I don't yeah. know how in the world that happened. <laughs> Um, tell, tell that to somebody in February. <laughs> <laughs> See what kind of answer you'd get. Now, listen, I pour, I've had some time to pour over it this week. And the only thing I can come up with, I mean, we've told our listeners before that it's, uh, you know, it's Carey Price. That's, and, yeah. and, and, uh, but there has to be another reason. Has to be another yeah. reason. And I look back and the only thing I can figure Mm-hmm. is that remember when the Canadians were down 3-1 to the Leafs? Oh, yeah. And I was yeah, figuring I, I had to do something drastic on behalf of the Rocket Sports team for the Montreal yeah. Canadiens? Yep. Yep. And uh, took so... The, took the responsibility. Yeah, on my back. Yeah, I took that burden and um, decided my, my carefully uh, uh, cultivated uh, playoff mm-hmm. beard. Yeah. I just shaved it right off. Glorious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right before, and since then, the Canadians have gone seven and zero. Wow. Seven, seven and zero with seven with, and zero without a playoff beard, and and mm-hmm. it, I mean that takes work. It takes commitment. Yeah. I have to shave before every game. Um. You know, normally you start a playoff beard and you let it go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're you're bucking the trend here. This is like this is like when the Pittsburgh Penguins and Washington Capitals got out of the Eastern Conference and they touched the Prince of Wales Trophy. You just you don't do it. But it's working. What happened here? Why is it working? You're bucking the trend, and it's working. This is this is it's bizarre. Very unlikely. Very this is a bizarre unlikely. world. I know. Yeah. Odd. 
But Rick, it's it's we're here now. The Montreal Canadiens. We're gonna get to the games that they played earlier this week in just a moment. But they're still playing games. They're going on mm-hmm. to the the Stanley Cup semifinals what are game the odds? on Monday that we're gonna tee up. What are the odds of that happening? And and Rick, with that on the go. There's also the NBA playoffs that are going on. And, Rick, I don't mean to dislocate my shoulder, pat myself on the back here. Um, <laughs> but if you remember back a few months ago, uh, we were talking about the NBA, uh, as, as we usually do to start the show, just to, you know, look around the sports world a little bit. And I said that the Phoenix Suns were a team that I really liked, that I thought that they could get to the NBA Finals. And, Rick, last night in round two, in their round two matchup against uh, a depleted Denver Nuggets squad that that is that you need to say that but regardless they're up 3-0 in that series well on their way to a Western Conference Finals appearance and Rick you know we're getting through the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs it's going to be a phenomenal end of those two playoff series it's going to be it's going to be great in the NBA and the NHL Mm -hmm. and Rick we should mention the second round in full swing in the NBA and action increases from game to game This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You download the DraftKings app, you go to pools, and you choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Now, all you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games, and then track your results throughout the evening. Questions that can range from which team's going to hit the most three-pointers, to which team's going to score first, things like that. Most importantly, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time. Uh, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. So, Rick, THPN. The Hockey Podcast Network, that's how you remember it. And, and, and listen, uh, you, you may not be basketball aficionados like Joe mm-hmm. and I are. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, but you, you uh, whether it's hockey, whether it's the NHL playoffs, whether it's uh, things like the uh, tennis, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, French Open's going on, and and exactly. uh, you whatever it is, whatever your sport is, uh, head to DraftKings, download the app, and use that promo code THPN, and uh, you'll be uh, glad that you did. Absolutely, Rick. Um, so as I said, Rick, we'll we'll get to the games that the Montreal Canadiens played in, in just a moment. We should say that in segment two. Uh, we're going to break down the uh, Vegas Golden Knights versus Montreal Canadiens matchup that we're all so excited to see that's going to get underway Monday night. Um, and, yeah, we're going to look at some storylines that surround that series. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, Max Pacioretty, the former Montreal Canadian. We're going to talk about that and a little bit more in segment number two. And, Rick, in segment number three, we're just going to, you know, we're going to ask for predictions. You know, it's 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 a fun time of year to give some predictions. And we're going to get to that in uh, just a few moments as well. 
uh, on my end. But Rick, um, the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, uh, this was a series that was thought to be uh, one that the Winnipeg Jets would have a distinct advantage, that they had the rest, but uh, evidently uh, perhaps a little bit of rust that seeped in over time, over the nine days that they were waiting for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, it was it was over uh, much earlier than many anticipated. Uh, well, at least I guess uh, over in the Canadians winning was a bit of a surprise. But regardless, Rick, let's get into the games themselves. So game three, uh, Corey Perry scored early. Arturi Lekkinen and Yoel Armia scored in the second. And the Canadians did not look back. 26 saves from Carey Price on the night. Uh, then you move to game four, uh, a 3-2 win. Tyler Toffoli with a beautiful goal. In overtime, off a beautiful pass from Cole Caulfield to send the Habs to the Stanley Cup final. Lighter night, uh, or Stanley Cup semifinal, excuse me. Lighter night of work for Carey Price in that particular game, but his his work in the first three games cannot be overlooked. Uh, and Rick, the Canadians sweep the Winnipeg Jets. Not an, not something that I think many anticipated happening uh, prior to this series. Uh, unexpected result. Uh, I, for one, I had the Canadians winning the series, but in seven games, not four. <laughs> Definitely not four. I thought seven was optimistic, but four games. Uh, and boy, oh boy, they are off to the Stanley Cup semifinals. Well, good for you in picking the Canadians at all, yeah. because we know most <laughs> of the odds makers have not yeah. uh, picked uh, the Canadians in either the first round against the Leafs or the second round against the Jets. Um, you know, it may have something to do with that that whole beard shaving thing that we talked about, yeah, or exactly. maybe uh, the the seven game winning streak has to do with Carey Price in his last seven mm-hmm. games. He has a record, of course, of seven and zero goals against of one six four save percentage of nine forty three and one shutout in those seven games. So um, he has uh, he certainly the best goaltender in the playoffs so far, and uh, in the last uh, seven games has been almost unbeatable. Yeah, and I mean they gave him some run support in that game three, but I mean you think back to game two against the Jets, one goal in support. He was perfect on the night with thirty saves. I mean he has been absolutely. Phenomenal, And Rick, I should mention for our listeners, you want more sort of comprehensive post-game reviews than what we just talked about, go over to allhabs.net. And Rick, uh, you have written those out with quotes, with uh, with all sorts of stats, numbers, everything that you would want of a post-game review is over there at allhabs.net. And Rick, I was writing my uh, three stars of the week column, which, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting column to write each week. Because, you know, sort of different guys emerge, but there's been one constant the last couple of weeks, and it's been that Carey Price has been my first star. Because until somebody takes it away from Carey Price, I'm not going to give it to anybody else. Well, and Carey Price was absolutely, as you said, you, you talked about, you had the numbers, you said the numbers just then, 7-0 and in his last seven games. That shut out in game two, and that's really what I was going off of with, uh, with that one, was the fact that you had game two in Winnipeg. 30 saves, absolutely huge. The blocker save on Mark Shifley in game one as well. I mean, he was just tremendous, and he has been tremendous the entire playoffs. He's been fantastic. He's the only reason that they are here right now. You know, there are other guys, as I said in the in, in the column, other guys have stepped up and provided the necessary offense. The defense has, has the top four defense has been really, really good as of late and perhaps have made his life a little bit easier than it was at the start of the playoffs and throughout the regular season. But, you know, 
he's the guy. He is the reason that they're here right now, and that that cannot be overlooked. There's no way that you can you can look around that right now. Carey Price has simply been amazing. No, he has, and and um, and it's interesting that uh, you know the. Each vanquished foe talks about Carey Price as uh, yeah. the best of uh, his gener of their generation. Jason yeah. Spetz in the first round, uh, Blake Wheeler in the second round. Uh, the coaching staff have, have uh, all uh, uh, picked out Carey Price as being the difference, and and uh, and even in the predictions, when you talk to uh, NHL staff, they say, well, you know. Um, uh, Toronto should have won. Uh, Winnipeg should have won, uh, and and maybe Vegas should win. Uh, but but Carey Price, he's just been that. Yeah, good. and I mean it's you know for teams like Toronto and Winnipeg, you know the teams that haven't had that sort of winning pedigree, you know you can look at it as them you know slipping in that sort of in that in that spot. But I mean the Pittsburgh Penguins suffered the same fate last year, albeit a best of five series. But those are guys that have won Stanley Cups, and we're still at you know those those discussions about whether or not it should be a best of three or best of five. And they knew that it needed to be a best of five because they needed to beat Carey Price, and he could take two out of three very easily. Mm-hmm. He ended up taking three out of five, so it, it didn't end up working out for them anyways. But regardless, he is that good. He is that much of a difference maker, and he has been again this year. And, uh, yeah, just, just amazing to watch. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how he fares against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and if they have the same things to say about him as uh, the previous two opponents have uh, have said. But, uh, Rick, we will move on to some roster news because, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Montreal Canadiens did have some, some injury or did have a injury this week, and there is a progression uh, with regards to another. But Jeff Petrie in Game 3 against the Winnipeg Jets, unfortunately, it's that kind of injury that, you you've seen enough of that you you wonder why that hole in the glass is there but it doesn't happen frequently enough i guess to to warrant any any change and obviously they like to get those pictures free of the of the glass but regardless jeff petrie got his hand caught in that hole in the glass and uh, unfortunately suffered a hand injury uh dominic ducharme not exactly clear on when we will see him going forward uh but yeah a huge loss there for uh you know the top four defense as i said has been playing very well for the canadians as of late jeff petrie after a rough start to the playoffs found his footing a little bit and unfortunately here with a hand injury that is not good news this um you know you you talked about the the top four uh canadians defense and we'll be we'll be breaking that down in the second segment but this is a different series if um, if Jeff Petrie misses, let's say three games, um, yeah. Dominic Ducharme said he'll be back, um, but was very coy about uh, when. Said we probably won't see him in in game one, uh, and 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 maybe not that soon after that. He um, he was asked Ducharme that is um, whether it would have made a difference had. Uh, the Colorado Vegas uh, series gone to um, an extra game to a seventh game 
And Charm said not really, which kind of was confusing, but it sounds like maybe it's just a pain issue that has to yeah. be managed. And, and uh, yes, yeah, a really um, um, odd injury. Um, and and it, it doesn't happen very... Usually it's the photographers who are getting injured when yeah. uh, pucks or sticks or whatever is going through those uh, photog- uh, photog holes and... and uh, um, you know, they're in every arena, they're in the same spot. So, uh, players know they're there. Um, uh, it, it was just, um, something you don't see every day and, and, uh, very unfortunate, uh, for the Canadians who have been on all of the right side of, of the breaks yes, so far yeah. in the playoffs. And, and this one was just very unfortunate. Yeah. And the only other time that they have been on the, uh, the opposite end of that, and they ended up getting another player out of the series was Jake Evans, who, you know, um, had that on the receiving end of that hit from Mark Shifley. Uh, Shifley was suspended the four games, of course, so that was a a, a nice break for the Canadians to get, but Jake Evans was playing such great hockey that it was really unfortunate, of course, to see him go down the way that he did. Uh, But good news on that front, he was training in the gym, and he skated on his own today, so so progress in, in that particular case. Yeah, it was kind of nice that uh, he, he did some training in the gym this week. Um, he got on the ice this morning at Broussard. If you've been there, you know there's two ice surfaces. Uh, the Canadians were practicing on one. Uh, Jake Evans was on the other one by himself. Well, he had a trainer in tow, but yeah. uh, skating by himself. That was great to see. And uh, in order to get into the Canadians' dressing room, Jake Evans has to come a- across the second sheet uh, and then across the first sheet to to get into the dressing room. And when he did that in the middle of Canadians practice, um, he got stip, stick taps from all of his teammates. So that was that was kind of neat to see. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And the news there as well. Two of those guys and John Merrill will all travel to Vegas, which, um, as you said, there there's not a very uh, uh, there's not a known time t- timetable on when we'll see them. Um, but they are traveling to Vegas, so that is that is some news there. And if um, you know you saw Game Four uh, against the Jets, uh, the lines in practice uh, today, the lines and defense pairings were exactly what you saw in Game Four. So that meant, um, yeah, of note, uh, Kulak and Edmondson uh, were together on the second pairing, Romanoff and Gustafsson on on the third pairing for the defense. Yeah, and yeah, as you said, Alexander Romanov on the third pairing, and he made his playoff debut in Game 4 with the absence of Jeff Petrie. There was some discussion the day of, was it going to be Ouellette? Was it going to be Romanov? It ended up being Romanov, and you saw the joy on his face as he made his way to the ice for that game. Uh, and yeah, what a bizarre, you know, 10-game stretch where... You don't see Alexander Romanov after he was a fixture a fixture on the Canadians' blue line all season in 54 games. So uh, it was great to see him back out on the ice in Game 4. Absolutely. Um, he was so excited. He was uh, had so much energy. Um, and as you said, this is a guy who, who played um, 54 of, of 56 games. Um, you know, he... You you would have thought that he could have, uh, especially when the, the with the series both series being so physical that uh, yeah. he was um, uh, had 138 hits during the season. Uh, that was just one less than Josh Anderson, who led the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I I think that he was missed, and certainly um, uh, you know he missed uh, being out there with his teammates. 
and, and you sort of wondered, and Amy Johnson touched on this on the press zone as well, you sort of wondered because, you know, when he was scratched early in the season to get Victor Mete in a game after the the controversy that surrounded that, you know, he didn't return to the ice after that quite the same player. So you wondered after 10 games of being a healthy scratch how he was going to respond to that. And, I mean, you know, he, he was responsible. I mean, he played less than 10 minutes, but, I mean, he was there. You, you didn't really worry when he was out on the ice. And as you said, he, he took some healthy runs at guys. He he was out there doing what he does, and, and it was great to see. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, of course, as we start this series. And Jeff Petrie's status, as you said, still up in the air. Don't expect to see him for game one. So presumably he'll be back out there again to start this series. But, but Rick, it'll be interesting. It's interesting to sort of hear for a guy like that, as we said, as we've talked about, played 54 games in the regular season what was it like for him to watch those first 10 games from the press box from you know and and he talked about that this week oh it's just so difficult and when when guys uh, come step on the ice uh, and uh, uh, the rink full full of fans oh my god tears on the ice uh, when i sit in when i sit in the rink it's uh, uh, and just look at this that's that's hard he's emotional he's passionate yeah. he uh he misses the game he misses his teammates he misses being out there and he said it was it was really difficult watching from the stands if, if you didn't catch what exactly what he said he, you know when his teammates stepped on the ice uh, he said a building full of fans there was just 2500 yeah. but they sounded like a whole lot more he said he got tears in his eyes um, uh, about it, um, yeah. you know, and and it was for him. It was just so very hard to to sit and watch. And I have to say, missed hearing from Alexander Romanov Absolutely. as well because yeah. he's a delight to hear from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with that, so so how was it for him then after those ten games, watching from the press box, watching from the stands? How did it feel for him then to make his playoff debut? Oh, that was amazing. Mm, un, un, unbelievable feelings because uh, it's my first game, first playoff game, and uh, thanks coaches, thanks uh, my teammates for supporting me in, in this night, and just trust me, trust me this night. So, I mean, that's really nice that uh, yeah. uh, he he thanks his his teammates and coaching staff for first supporting him. Uh, in his uh, playoff debut, but also in trusting him, um, yeah. because sitting there, um, he 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 probably felt that he wasn't trusted to be out there, uh, yeah. and and so it was um, as he said, unbelievable. It was it was an amazing feeling. Um, as you said, he looked pretty good. He um, yeah. he didn't have a lot of ice time, but when he was out there, he had good positioning. He had. Uh, composure. He made pretty good decisions, um, and uh, not only did he deliver hits, but he took hits and made the yeah. made plays, which uh, you like to see. Um, he was asked, um, you know, why do you think you didn't, you wouldn't, you weren't playing in the playoffs? And he said, um, "Well, uh, I didn't play well in my last seven games uh, in the regular season. Uh, yeah. That was a coach's decision, and I trust coach." Um, so he, you know, it, it's, you know, some were speculating that he had maybe said something out of, out of line or, uh, it doesn't sound like that at all. 
Um, it's still curious for me though because yeah. Who you know, was he, playing while well the last seven games? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the Canadians lost five games straight to end the season. The other part of that is that uh, remember earlier in the season, uh, the only times that um, uh, uh, Romanov didn't look good was when he was paired with uh, Victor Mete. Mm-hmm. And then again at the end of the season when he was being paired with John Merrill. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a very good matchup. John Merrill didn't look good. Romanov didn't look good. Uh, and so for the coaching staff to, um, you know, to make that decision that, okay, forget the rest of the season when he looked good, that we're going to base this on the last um, uh, seven games, if that's what it was, uh, and and that it's all his fault. It had nothing to do with Merrill. Or, that's yeah. It's still very curious to me. Very very curious. Um, and and Dominic Ducharme was asked about it, and he um, he went. I don't know. He started talking about uh, that that Romanov uh, has to adjust to a smaller ice surface, and um, you know things that that we thought were. I think taken care of, or that he was yeah. had become comfortable with. Um, I, I don't know. And and then he was asked. This is another interesting thing that Rome or that Ducharme was asked. Um, do you ever use a, a, a translator with um, with Alexander? Um, and we've seen it uh, with a lot of other teams, as, as, especially when uh, we're in AHL rinks and you get players that are new to pro hockey coming in and, and the flyer. Well, I can name a dozen teams who, who bring in translators in that case uh, to help both the coaching staff and the new player uh, make that transition. And, um, uh, and Ducharme, particularly Ducharme, who we know has a major communication issue yeah. overall. Um, and, uh, Ducharme said, no, uh, we don't use a translator and we, we, uh, we don't intend to use a, a, a translator. I just, I don't know. All of it was, was, uh, very, very curious. I think, um, yeah, it, it unfortunate, really unfortunate. Yeah. It, it just from, from the perspective of, you know, looking at and watching this team all year, it felt like a lot of what was happening was so that you were sort of grooming Alexander Romanov to take on a larger role next season. That that was going to be something that you saw happen, at least maybe not next season, but certainly the ones that followed. And for him not to get a look to start the playoffs, you know, whatever happened in the first game, if he ended up not impressing and then you go to a different direction and in games two and, and whatever and, and however long it goes. But regardless for him not to get in until game four of the second round. Yeah. It was always a curious case and it didn't really get any, any clarification even with him entering the lineup. So uh, regardless, it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, that forces any decisions. If Jeff Petrie does come back and it's, you know, uh, okay. He finally got into the game and game game four. And um, you're kind of expecting to say it's to see and say, Oh, now I see all the flaws in his game. Uh, that makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. Except we didn't. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it was... And yeah, I mean, it, it was just... Especially with Gustafson and, and Kulak getting combined 12 minutes of ice time. 
between them, like 12 and 13, you know, like yeah. 12, 13 minutes combined between the two of them. If, if you're not going to play the bottom two guys anyways, just have Romanoff on the bench soaking that in. Like, it just didn't make sense. It really didn't make any sense. But regardless, yeah, he's, he and, got in. And, and yeah. one of the games, Gustafson had four and a half minutes of even strength yeah. ice time. Yeah. Could Romanoff have managed that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. I mean, it it just, yeah. And, and Gustafson did score the goal in, in, game, in game four, but, I mean, he made an error in game one. It just, uh, you know, it, it was a very curious case uh, all throughout. And, yeah, he, though he did play the first uh, his first game in game four, you wonder why exactly it took that long to get there. Um, so we will see uh, what it looks like going forward for Alexander Romanov. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Who's, who, when you see picture, when you see video, when you, who's always smiling on the ice? The, the first one that comes to mind for me is is um, Alexander Romanov. Who's the second yeah. one? Beaming, smiling, loves. Todd Kaniemi. How about Cole Caulfield? Well, yeah, Cole Caulfield, but he hasn't been around that long. He's right, sort of, right. Uh, yeah. a late addition. And why? Yeah, yeah. What? Why was the reason that he's uh, he's been around? It's because our dear friend uh, GMJJ and yes, uh, exactly. And GMJJ um, tweeted again uh, in the last week, kind of crediting himself. Yeah, taking uh, a victory lap. Yeah, um, <laughs> he says uh, Caulfield has been an absolute playmaker since being added to the lineup. Great call by whoever suggested that. <laughs> and of course, that was him. Yeah, GMJJ. I mean, he's. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he's got a maybe he's got a future. Who knows? Maybe yes. he's got a future as an as an NHL general manager. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a great call by him. And and yeah, playing young guys. Who to who to thunk it? Who yeah. to thunk that would be a, a, a winning strategy? Uh, but Rick, I guess we'll move on to a uh, Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So, Rick, uh, this week we got some news surrounding the AHL schedule and some division realignment. AHL are already talking about next season, about starting dates, about divisional realignment, about... uh, new franchise locations, uh, and about their schedule. Um, the interesting part of that is there, there's always been a, a discrepancy between uh, the, uh, I'll say in the East, uh, the East versus West, playing 76 games in the East, uh, mostly playing 68 games in the West. Uh, they've talked about um, a, a transition to unification, and they're going to, in two years, they're going to settle on a 72-game schedule for the entire league. To get there, um, they're going piece by piece. So uh, some of the game, some of the teams in the West are, are going to start playing more games. Some of the teams in the East are going to start playing le- less games. And the Laval Rocket uh, are they're they're going to this upcoming season move from a 76-game schedule. Of course, they didn't play 76 last year because of the COVID-shortened season, but. Yeah. Typically, they play 76. They're moving from a 76-game season to a 72-game season uh, this upcoming season. They'll go back to their their traditional um, uh, divisional alignment, um, and um, and things are are and and they'll have 
you know, uh, Utica, there's some changes there. Uh, there's Abbotsford's being added to the league. Uh, Winnipeg goes back yeah. to the central. There's lots of shuffling and there's too much t- for us to discuss here. So, <laughs> so what you need to do is subscribe to the press zone. Yeah. That's Listen what you to need to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to miss an episode of the Press Zone podcast. That is for sure. Um, So, Rick, in addition to that, we also have, as we a story that we've been discussing in the the last few weeks, uh, the Canadians ECHL affiliate in Trois-Rivières, they announced they will be called the Lions. Mm -hmm. The Lyon and the Lions, um, the Trois-Rivières Lions, and and. It has some history that the only uh, pro team ever to play in Trois-Rivières was also called the Lions. Um, So that's what they, that's... uh, There you go. Yeah, some history there. It's also uh, the way they've they've released their their logo, and mm-hmm. it uh, it has elements uh, that that honor uh, their founder, honor the province, um, and uh, and seem to be. I, I I saw mostly positive kind of reviews on yeah. on the color scheme, on the logo, um, but. I guess for us, most importantly, the Canadians will finally, after uh, five years or so uh, of not having a sole ECH affiliate, they will finally have one in Trois-Rivières. Yeah, that's huge news. Great news for their prospects. uh, And yeah, great to have. And yeah, I I did like the logo. It's a good look, I think. Um, But Rick, as you mentioned just a few moments ago, uh, be sure to go ahead and read the the content over at AHL.Report and listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal podcast. You do not want to miss an episode because, as Rick said, there's a, we only have so much time on this podcast and the AHL uh, content is coming out every day. There's so much news, so much, so many balls in the air with respect to the AHL. So you're going to want to go over and uh, listen to the Press Zone podcast uh, and, and get all your news and notes on the AHL. Um, but, Rick, we will move on and get to some Habs uh, playoff news and notes. And this week, uh, Rick, Toronto just keeps taking a beating uh, <laughs> after that. <laughs> it couldn't, you know, it couldn't get any worse, you thought, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and well, the city of Toronto, after losing a best of seven uh, game series to the Toronto Maple, or to the Montreal Canadiens, excuse me. Uh, but then the CN Tower went and did a heel turn on the city of Toronto because they had the red, white, and blue of the Montreal Canadiens uh, lighting up the Toronto skyline. <laughs> I saw lots of pictures, and it was beautiful. Absolutely it was beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, full credit to, to the CN Tower, uh, along with uh, the, the the lighting, they, they said that uh, now it's time for all Canadians to come together and support Canada's team um, mm-hmm. as uh, as they, they go forth. None of that yeah. went over all that well uh, no. in, mm. in Toronto. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, the CN Tower is uh, federally owned, a federal property. Um, that seemed to to, to not be... Um, well, uh, John Tory was a little miffed about the, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, John Tory, mayor of Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't quite happy with that. But he'd also, unfortunately for him, he'd made a bet uh, with the mayor of Montreal, Uh-oh. Valerie Plante, and had to fly a Canadian's flag at Toronto City Hall. So it just kept getting worse. Uh, and, and keep in mind, Rick, that series, the Canadians had already f- closed the book on their second round series, and the city of Toronto was still taking 
L's from the first round. <laughs> they were still having a rough go of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It, it, yeah, uh, as I said, the uh, the city of Toronto just taking a beating uh, this week. Um, but uh, yeah, it was not a great week for the city of Toronto in that regard. Uh, Rick, we moved to some troubling, troubling news, uh, very unfortunate news that uh, surrounded uh, the Canadians advancing to the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals. And this was after the Canadians had swept the Winnipeg Jets. A Jets fan, unfortunately, was assaulted by Canadians fans uh, in the city in, in, in Montreal, which um, just just deeply disturbing, disgusting and troubling news uh, coming out of what should have been a night of just of celebration. Do you know amongst fans of the, of the same team just to celebrate. But uh, some just took it way too far in this instance. Yeah, and we're going to mention this because um, because it's important to shine a light on this kind of behavior and in, to ensure yeah. that uh, it gets expunged pretty quickly because this was uh, despicable. Uh, Alex Wojciechowski uh, went to the game uh, in his Canadiens jersey, and it and just coincidentally, we both saw him yeah. Uh, yeah. pre-game, um, and he was out. Uh, with Canadians fan, he had his Jets jersey on. There was a group of Canadians fans around him with brooms, and there was light banter going on. And we thought, what a great place um, that, that this kind of friendly, uh, competitive uh, yeah. nature can happen. And uh, But afterwards, he was on his way home, and he was uh, swarmed by seven Canadians fans, Um and they demanded his jersey, said they wanted to burn it. Um, and uh, he, he wasn't interested in giving it up. And so three of them is, uh, assaulted him, punched him in the face and, and, uh, and made off with his jersey. And, and listen, that's, that's not a, a look we want. That's not a reputation we want uh, from Canadians fans. Uh, and that has to stop immediately. Yeah, just absolutely despicable behavior, and yeah, um, it, we, yeah. There the, is the good great, news. Yeah, there's good news. There is that Jeff Molson uh, sent or offered to send along a new Jets jersey for that fan, which uh, which is a, a great, and classy move. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, um, yeah, a, very a Canadian hat and a brand yeah. new Jets jersey. Um, yeah, uh, and that that's uh, good on on Jeff Molson for for doing yeah. that. Um, and and that was um, that was uh, well, not the story we want to hear after no. a, a a wonderful uh, uh, end to a, a surprising end to a, a yes, Canadian yeah. sweep. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was a, a nice move at the end of a of a story that you just do not want to talk about. But unfortunately, as you said, shine a light on something. On behavior that you do not want to see repeated. Um, uh, Rick, we'll move on to some lighter news. Uh, this week, the Montreal Canadiens had a guest speaker that appeared to uh, to give a speech to the team, and that was uh, former legendary Montreal Canadian Bob Gainey. Bob Gainey, uh, who's been uh, one of the greats of the Montreal Canadiens and has been a uh, general manager. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it, it, you know, uh, on um, the uh, podcast I did looking back to the 70s for uh, DraftKings with, with Terry Ryan, uh, the retrospective, um, uh, we talked about Bob Gainey being so integral to those uh, 70s Canadians uh, Stanley Cups. 
and was called by the 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 Russians the best player they had ever seen play hockey. Um, yeah. And uh, but he was uh, kind of um, uh, you know he went about things in in a workmanlike way. He wasn't flashy. And and uh, Mark Bergevin had a presser this morning. And was asked about uh, why would they would bring in uh, Bob Gainey, and and he said um, uh, that Bob Gainey wasn't flashy, but he was a real team player, and uh, that it was a, a great example uh, for our team of of what you can do when when you came together. And and Bob Gainey's uh, his his speech was apparently very passionate, uh, and uh, talked about. Uh, being ready for game one and how the performance in game one can set the tone for the entire series. Yeah. And, you know, players uh, were raving about it and Brendan Gallagher among them describing it as being a a very inspirational speech by Bob Ganey. Um, You know, obviously we just, we played a team that was coming off a sweep um, and we were able to start that series off and kind of put them on their heels and maybe not let them get comfortable. Uh, We were actually uh, right before, talk to you guys uh we had a little team meeting here and uh we were fortunate to, fortunate enough to have mr bob ganey uh come and speak to us about exactly that um you know because he's uh, you talk about experience um you know there's there's not a lot of organizations that can fall on uh alumni uh, with the amount of experience that this one can and we were fortunate to have one in the building today and he was able to speak to us on uh some things that he went through in his career something he's seen um and and it was exactly that how important it is going to be to start game one uh and really implement our style of play and uh, it was a passionate speech it was nice to have him here and and those are the things that we're going to be doing this week to make sure that um you know we you know you balance rest but you also stay mentally and physically sharp and we don't want our game to fall off from where it was uh, when we finished the series so it's uh, it's it's something that we've talked about, uh, something that we're going to make sure is, is a key focus here uh, as we prepare for game one. So as uh, as, as Gallagher said there, uh, implementing your style uh, in uh, game one, that's exactly what they did in uh, against um, the Jets to make sure that, that they never felt comfortable uh, in the series. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, that was clear from from the drop of the puck in game one that that was not a, uh, a comfortable series for the Winnipeg Jets and it never got comfortable and the Canadians did a great job of that. It's going to get a bit of a, a bit of a tall order here with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights as we're going to get to in the second segment. But one thing that you have to wonder heading into this series, Rick, is how much of a factor spectators are going to be uh, specifically, uh, you know, you head down to Vegas and you're sort of stepping into the lion's den, especially for a team in Montreal who, to this point, uh, you know, you had, what, 500 work healthcare workers in Toronto, 500 in Winnipeg that were, you know, the, the, uh, the opposing fans, uh, while you had the benefit of having 2,500 uh, in, in the Bell Center. So the Canadians are, are no longer going to have that advantage when you head down to Vegas and you have those large crowd that huge crowd of, of vegas golden knight supporters so what is that going to be like and is that going to be an advantage in the semifinals? and uh for the four teams left you mentioned as it stands now the bell center will allow 2500 uh fans um the islanders will have 12,000 in nassau coliseum the lightning will have 14,800 and the Golden Knights will have a full building 
eighteen thousand uh, as they had to, uh, towards the end of of uh, their round two series. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, as you said, it's it's logical to ask: um, Is that going to be a competitive advantage? And and uh, Dom Ducharme was asked that question, and um, he said, "No, uh, they won't uh, really make a, a difference." at all um that uh it 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 won't be an advantage and he said you know uh, i don't see it this is a quote i don't see it as a problem we could even use it on our side as a challenge um he added that uh with respect to vegas in particular it's a good loud crowd but i never saw it as an intimidating place um, so that's uh, Dom Descharmes' uh, opinion that uh, the, the folks in uh, T-Mobile uh, in uh, in Vegas not going to make a difference. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. it's a, it's an interesting way to look at it, especially yep. I mean, coming off of a year you're not playing in front of any live crowds, so uh, it it'll be it'll be a challenge. I, I don't know. That might be looking at it a little bit too uh, a bit too optimistically from Dominic Descharmes. But regardless, Rick, um, we'll get. So to some players and, and their thoughts on it. So Max Pacioretty, former Montreal Canadiens, he knows a thing or two about about loud crowds. He's He's been in the Bell Centre, he's been in the T-Mobile Arena now, and he's uh, described what it's like to play in front of a full building. You know, I, truthfully, I really did enjoy it, and, and I'm not saying that just because we came out on top. It's just so much fun to play in front of fans, especially our fans. Um, you know, we, we've talked about so often how they're able to help us uh, take over a game, and uh, they stayed positive with us right to the very end there. And, and once we were able to break through, you use that momentum that they give us. I mean, the place is electric. You could probably see and feel it, you know, up top in the stands, through the TV. This is the best place to play, and especially in the playoffs, it's a lot of fun. There's stuff in there that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I can, yeah. I can, I can see that <laughs> now, but but he says, uh, you know, it it um, the, the 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 momentum that they that the fans um, give us, um, they help t- uh, take over the game for us. Um, Vegas is is you know they used they 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 still say that the Canadians and the Bell Center is a special place to play during the playoffs, and and I agree, it is. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to play. And then there's Vegas. Um, they do things there a little bit differently, and yeah. um, it is uh, rocking. Uh, and mm-hmm. we saw that if you if you watch the um, the, the the series, uh, they had a huge effect. Um, the The whole building was shaking. The 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 towels, the the music, the the Vegas way. Um, starts during warm-up. Yeah. And if you see, uh, they're called the Vegas Bells. Uh, they're showgirls in full showgirl costume come into what they call the inner, they call it the fortress. They march in um, and they go along the, and they stand along the glass at the opposing teams uh, while, while they're doing warm-up to mm-hmm. distract the players. Yeah. That's 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 the Vegas way. Um, mm. I, you know, like I say, uh, Max Pacioretty, him saying it's the best place to play, um, and and yeah. and, and how it it uh, propelled the the Vegas. 
I, you know, certainly the Bell Centre fans with their 2,500 helped the Canadians in, in their series. I think they're in for a whole new wake-up when they go down and play, you know, for the first time in a very long time in a full building uh, yeah. in Vegas. That's, I mean, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. Regardless of how they paint it, it's going to be a challenge for them to do that. Um, and, I mean, if you turn to... So let's ask. Okay, let's let's ask Brendan Gallagher. Is it a competitive advantage to have a full arena? Let's hear from Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, uh, honestly, yes. It's uh, you know for sure. I think you saw you know even just with you know the the twenty five hundred fans we were able to get in our building, uh, the different level of energy we were able to create, the impact that the fans have, and when you watch these teams play, you see um, you know home ice advantage really is a thing with fans in the building. They just create so much energy for the teams and. You're really able to feed off that and it's it's an opponent opposing player uh you know it's tough to come into so uh, you know i think we're, we're probably hoping that we can get a couple more fans in the building uh you know our fans have been loud they've, they've definitely helped us out so far and been incredible uh but every uh, you know everyone counts every different uh you know every time you can get another person in the building uh with the excitement that's going on around the city and how much our fans are behind us right now um you know we're, we're hoping for that a little bit so uh, we can kind of compete with those teams so it's you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an advantage for sure. Gallagher's smart. He knows. Yeah. It's obviously yeah. an advantage. I don't <laughs> know what Ducharme was trying to say there, but obviously it's an advantage. And, and um, you know, Gallagher talks about even the, the impact that 2,500 fans uh, have had yeah. in the Bell Centre. He, he wonders aloud if maybe, uh, you know, a, a few more can get in there because... Um, it does. Um, he talks about fans create energy and teams feed off that energy. Uh, and that uh, when they talk about home ice advantage, it, it, it's not it's not a building. It's the fans in the building and the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what's going to make it difficult for uh, the Canadians going into T-Mobile and uh, what he wishes uh, were the case when uh, Vegas comes north to the Bell Centre. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously going to be a factor. You just wonder how the Canadians are going to handle it because that's, as I said, stepping into the lion's den after a year of not having that, you know, you have adversity when you go on the road because there's there's elements within the game, last change, things like that. The crowd just bring a different element to it altogether. So that's going to be a huge challenge. Uh, yeah, as you said, I don't really know uh, exact what exactly Dominique Ducharme w- was getting at there. It, it's going to be, they are an intimidating crowd, and it's going to be a challenge for the Montreal Canadiens to overcome that. Um, Rick, so we'll move on because there, there's some more fallout. And, and Rick, this is a sort of connects back to a conversation that we had a couple weeks back and have had a few times uh, with respect to uh, this particular market. It, um, Montreal journalists uh, supporting Vegas because they have more Quebecers. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of talking about this. Uh, yeah. But it's a real thing. And it's not the, you know, just the odd fan. Uh, it's, it's the Montreal media who are keeping this story alive uh, probably more so than the fans, and uh, we saw it from from in, in two cases uh, this past week. There was a headline in um, uh, the website CTV Montreal, uh, Lucas Caruso Moro, and he said the Vegas Golden Knights have more Quebec-born players than the Montreal Canadiens, and he goes on and he makes his case. 
interestingly enough, he talks about the players uh, on Vegas, uh, Marceau, Nicolas Roy, uh, William Carrier, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, of course. Um, and when yeah. he lists the Canadians, um, he talks about Belzile, Deneau, and Dauphin. Um, for some reason, and, he, and, and he's not just talking about the playoffs, he's talking about who the Canadians had in the lineup uh, throughout the season. He said the Habs are running three Quebecers this season. Uh, and he lists those three. Somehow uh, he wasn't paying attention to Jonathan Duran. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it, it's it's just awful. Just awful. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it gets concerning when you have this type of conversation that happens because it's at this point in time when there's that type of and we saw it earlier this season. If the Montreal Canadiens wanted to have another Quebecer in their lineup, they could have traded for one, but it would have been Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was uh, just not a factor at all for the Winnipeg Jets, was not playing well at all, whereas the guys that they would have presumably had to package or would have been the starting point of the package, uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi and Nick Suzuki, were, were playing tremendously. They, they were the guys that were driving the bus again for that team offensively for the Montreal Canadiens. So... Like it's you know it is what it is with this conversation. I think it's it's always going to exist, but to this extent, I mean, when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Andre Fleury over the last fifteen years has been one of the better goalies in the NHL. But that's not the bar. It isn't that you have a guy that's that's a great NHL player. The bar is just any guy, and mm-hmm. that that gets troubling because when you think back to Toronto, and I talk about Don Cherry saying about Brian Burke that he had a bias against Ontario-born players back in, I think that was 2012. And after Burke left, Dave Nonis went out and traded for Dave Boland after he scored the Stanley Cup winning goal with Chicago and signed David Clarkson. And remember the David Clarkson contract was a pretty ugly one because they wanted to get a guy. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. The only way they got rid of it was by taking on Nathan Horton's contract. (laughs) So, like, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, that was a team that was making moves with their heart because there was that type of outside pressure. They wanted to get another Wendell Clark. And and David Clarkson, as much as he wanted to be, was not Wendell Clark. So that's what happens when you start to consider those types of things. What happened organically over time with the Maple Leafs was they drafted Mitch Marner and they signed John Tavares. Those are your two hometown guys. If the Canadians did that here, if they just waited, bided their time, and maybe one will fall into their lap rather than just you know going out and getting whichever guy, you know, and that's that's the frustrating part here because we we've seen it in years past when the Canadians do get into that into that ball game into just making those types of decisions that that hockey really isn't considered it's just whatever their heart is feeling at that moment it's all Carey Price's fault right because yeah. had he not played so well maybe the Canadians yeah. would have had the lottery pick and uh, last yeah. year and rather than going to the Rangers it could have been anyway could have been Lafreniere uh-huh. yeah um, yeah. the, the other, in addition to CTV, uh, 98.5 FM is one of the rights holders for the Canadians. And Luke Fernandez uh, said, um, I seriously hope for a loss for the Canadians. I hope it hurts deeply and that we tell ourselves forever that we could have won with more Quebec players. Um, and he uh, apparently hosted a show where they talked all about this, uh, wishing the Canadians to lose because Vegas mm-hmm. has more um, Quebec players and um, and that the simple solution, the simple solution, and that, you know, we should all be sitting 
uh, after the series, if the Canadians lose, uh, just in our misery, thinking about if if we had only added a few more uh, Quebecers, uh, all would have yeah. been well. It's it's dumb. It's um, it's divisive. Uh, for, uh, you know, in a world where we're supposed to be so inclusive to, to talk about these, these divisive ways that, and, uh, Luke actually went further in, in some further tweets and I'm not going to get into it because he talks about, uh, the NBA and some really made some really racist statements. Um, this stuff again is, seems to be more and more and more driven by Montreal media. The fans want the best players, period. Uh, they yeah. want a chance to win and win the Stanley Cup, period. And we really sincerely hope that the organization uh, doesn't, um, isn't bended, bent towards uh, this kind of philosophy. Although we've seen uh, the, the Laval Rocket, um, <laughs> they've been signing up uh, AHL contracts, uh, two-way contracts, and with every tweet, they've started doing something we've never seen before. They say, you know, whoever, Gabrielle, Bourne, Quebec-born player, um, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know. Unfortunately, maybe they are uh, hearing some of this criticism from uh, from the media. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's 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 troubling because you get you get a little bit worried when it starts to you know you start worrying about quantity over quality in that sort of way where it's great to have a hometown guy you know it'd be great for the montreal canadians to have a franchise player from quebec unfortunately that guy they don't come along very often as you said maybe it's maybe it's all carrie price's fault and uh they just simply (laughs) shouldn't have won in 2020 and and gotten that chance the lottery and alexi lafreniere but such is life uh so that's that's sports that's how it goes um rick we will move on to some nhl uh, news: The NHL announced that, uh, or announced who will compete for the Prince of Wales Trophy and the Clarence Campbell Bowl. The Montreal Canadiens and Vegas Golden Knights for the Clarence Campbell Bowl, and then you have the Lightning and the Islanders for the Prince of Wales Trophy. It's different because we don't have the traditional conferences uh, because yeah. of of uh, the Canadian uh, division this year. Um, we don't have the traditional conferences, and usually we know Prince of Wales goes to the east, Clarence Campbell Bowl goes to the west. So the Montreal Canadiens have, in their long uh, history, have never competed for the Clarence Campbell Bowl, and, and yeah. they will have a chance to do that. And it's going to be interesting to see fan reactions because uh, Clarence Campbell, of course, named after former commissioner of the National Hockey League, uh, or I think at that time he was called the president of the NHL. Yeah. And and he wasn't a well-liked uh, fella in uh, <laughs> Montreal because it was back in uh, 1955, the, the, the famous riot uh, yeah. at the Montreal Forum, that it was Clarence Campbell who suspended Rocket Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, you know, un- I'm sure that uh, Canadians fans will appreciate w- if the Canadians have the chance to lift the the, the cup or whether they touch it or at not all. Wit- yeah, or um, not lift, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but the f- that will uh, indicate that they are moving into the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, so that'll be very interesting to see. And uh, I think I saw a tweet earlier today, and I can't remember who it was from, but the, the Montreal Canadiens have a chance to do another thing that the Leafs will never do, and that is to <laughs> lift the uh, Clarence Campbell bowl. But, uh, Rick, we will... Uh, 
We will take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, Vegas Gold Knights Montreal Canadiens series and and see what storylines that we want to talk about and what the Vegas Golden Knights look like and all those types of things uh, heading into this uh, Stanley Cup semifinal matchup. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Um, so, Rick, we have got quite the matchup here uh, in the Stanley Cup semifinals uh, between two teams that have not played each other this season. Uh, mm-hmm. And they play now at the most important time of the year. Uh, and it's going to be a, a pretty interesting matchup. And there are some storylines that we're going to want to get to that are that are really interesting. That quite frankly, I mean, I don't know if this was ever a playoff matchup that we anticipated seeing given where both teams are. Uh, and, you know, how one team is a juggernaut and the other one, eh, maybe not so much. But it feels like a, like a playoff series that needed to happen because there are just some natural storylines here that are just really, really interesting that we're going to get to here in this second segment. Kind of um, juggernaut versus uh, some calling a team of destiny, right? Um, yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, that, that fate has played in, in, in the first two uh, series and, and has helped them out in, in this series. Um, yeah, there there are some interesting storylines. The the oldest team in the NHL versus the newest. Um, you have um, you know former players. Um, mm-hmm. The the big storyline. I know you're wanting to get to talk about it. Is John Merrill 
again yes, going back exactly. yeah against yep. his team that he played for 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 uh, three years, so yeah, um, that one. Uh, there's that other storyline <laughs> about Pacioretty and, and uh, oh, yeah. Suzuki and Tatar. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And um, it, it's just, um, I, I, it is fascinating. It, it is uh, quite fascinating, as you said. It, it the, the given that the the teams have not um, met each other. Uh, but, but the way they've gone about trying to prepare and gather information and, and we'll also talk about, uh, that a little bit and then get into really kind of breaking it down and into, uh, because our fans haven't seen Vic, who are they? What kind of team are they? What kind of game do they play? Uh, who are their stars? Uh, Who do the Canadians have to be careful of? And, uh, yeah, we'll do all of that. And, and, um, and, uh, uh, I think it'd be quite entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as we said, game one goes on Monday and the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they're going to have their hands full here. Uh, They are the massive underdogs on the betting line. And, you know, many pundits, they didn't have them, you know, obviously winning against the Maple Leafs. That was not something that they thought, you know, pundits and, and whoever and analysts, they didn't think that that was in the cards. Beating the Jets also didn't think that that was in the cards. So now when you play one of the best teams in the NHL and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I don't think that the Montreal Canadiens are exactly favored here, and it makes sense that they are uh, the underdogs, but it seems to be a role that this team relishes. Uh, we believe uh, we believe in ourselves. Uh, not too many people uh, did uh, starting the playoffs, and we don't care if it changes or not. We're uh, controlling what we can control, but uh, when the puck drop, we'll be ready to go. That, of course, interim head coach Dominic Ducharmony doesn't really care whether they're underdogs, uh, doesn't really care what uh, the outside world is saying, what the betting world is saying, what every single analyst is saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that they're comfortable, uh, they believe in themselves, and uh, come, start, come game one, they'll be ready. Yeah, and I mean, that's, I think... The right attitude to have given what the Canadians have gone through to get to this point and I mean 3-1 down in the first round and I mean look when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights too I'm not sure how many people thought that that series against the the Minnesota Wild was going to go seven games so I mean these are teams that have had some some battles to get to this point so I mean the Canadians being underdogs at this point I think that they just have to take it in stride and see what happens in this series um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a challenge, as we talked about, uh, with the crowd, with everything, and of course the quality of opponent that they're going to be going up against. And we're, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. But uh, another interesting storyline here, Rick. Um, you have a former captain on the other side. You also have John Merrill. John Merrill for the Montreal Canadiens is a former Vegas Golden Knight, as you mentioned. Uh, but Max Pacioretty, uh, former captain of the Montreal Canadiens, and we remember the way that that. You know, his tenure ended in Montreal. It wasn't exactly favorable, and um, unfortunately, he he left in in a way that uh, that fans, uh, rightly or wrongly, sort of hold a grudge against Max Pacioretty uh, in in for for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, that trade that brought Nick Suzuki and Thomas Tatar uh, to Montreal in exchange for Max Pacioretty that is a storyline that that hangs over this series. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was, uh, it worked out for both teams, obviously. Um, but I think when, when Mark, uh, called me, uh, said I was a, uh, a big piece that they wanted, I just wanted to 
show that uh, Montreal made the right decision in bringing me over and uh, I want to do everything I can for this franchise so uh, it was more about uh, proving Mark uh, right to want me in the deal. Yeah, he was he was asked whether um, you know he still has ill will towards uh, Vegas and for trading him, and and they're going he's going to um, you know show Vegas and 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 uh, I thought it was a very kind of mature answer by Suzuki saying yeah no I I'm I'm going to prove uh, my, my GM uh, that he was right in in. Uh, in um, in and, and uh, in in acquiring me, and I think that that he's uh, was right in saying that it worked out for both teams. It has, um, yeah. Max Pacioretty has been unbelievable for uh, oh, Las Vegas, and particularly in this playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he came back from uh, an injury. He came back in that game seven uh, that you were talking about against Minnesota. Scored the game winning goal there. Um, I think he's had three game winners in the playoffs in seven or eight games. Seven, um, yeah. And um, yeah, he's been and playing on the top line. Uh, they had uh, that top line uh, with Mark Stone had defensive responsibilities against arguably the best line in in hockey in in uh, Colorado. Uh, McKinnon, Ranton, and, and uh, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Max Pacioretty has been been everything for uh, for Vegas, and uh, you know Mark Stone calls him the most their most dynamic forward. Uh, and I think for Montreal, getting uh, a young um, up and coming center, uh, they've they've coveted a number one center, and Nick Suzuki is on a path to get there. I think that uh, we haven't yet seen the best of what uh, Suzuki can bring, uh, although we've gotten glimpses of that throughout these yeah. playoffs. Yeah, I mean, both guys, uh, Suzuki and Pacioretty, they have eight points. Pacioretty in just seven games, Suzuki in 11 games. And, you know, you talked about the maturity and the answer from Nick Suzuki there. But, I mean, you talk, I think, maturity in general <laughs> with everything related to Nick Suzuki. He just plays a mature game. He's responsible with the puck. He's responsible without it. And, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, they've needed offensive. They needed their guys to step up and provide some offense. Nick Suzuki with eight points in 11 games, he's been able to do that. And on the other end, as you said, Max Pacioretty, he's just been been incredible. And, I mean, when you think of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and, and their improbable run a few years back, I mean, to think of the type of firepower they possess now, including Max Pacioretty, that's 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 wild. It's just absolutely wild how long, how short a time frame it's been for them to build up this team the way that they have. Um, but yeah, and, and let's let's uh, dispel everybody of the notion that they were handed a uh, um, you know players uh, through the expansion draft. No, um, <laughs> l- look at uh, McCrimmon and and before uh, McPhee. Uh, the yeah. players that they have acquired um, after the expansion draft: Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Nick Waugh, Matthias Janmark, uh, Alex Martinez, Nick Holden, Alex Petrangelo, who has been yeah. unbelievable in in Just, the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Robin Leonard, uh, yep. Zach Whitecloud. Uh, they've done. They've made some pretty savvy moves uh, since uh, they built their expansion team. Absolutely. Yeah, they have they've added to this core. They are they are David who became Goliath. Like that is what the Vegas Golden Knights are at this point. They are a incredibly uh, put together team. 
And yeah, full credit to their front office for doing that. Um, but yeah, Rick, this is the oldest team versus the newest team in the NHL. And the Montreal Canadiens obviously have that history. But that is that is a while ago, their history of, of winning championships. While the Vegas Golden Knights in their short existence have been contenders the entire time. They have been a team that have been in the mix, you know, perhaps not going as far in some of the years past that they'd like to, but they made it to the cup final in their first year of existence. And then they're, they're right here. They're on the precipice again in 20, uh, 2021 to get back there in this conference semi or in this Stanley cup semifinal. They've been in the league four years. Mm-hmm. They've made it to the, the semifinal three times. Yeah. <laughs> three trips to this, to the league semifinals in four years of their existence. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, and, and they should be credited. So, um, the Canadians in trying to do their, um, their scouting, of course they, they have, uh, scouts at, uh, would have had them at the, uh, their, their pro scouts at the, uh, first and second round, uh, of the, um, uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights their games, uh, but trying to get some inf- inside information, uh, mm-hmm. Dominic uh, Ducharme sat down with uh, Corey Perry. Now last season, uh, Corey Perry was a member of the Dallas Stars, uh, and when they met uh, Vegas in the conference finals, uh, Dallas went on to beat the Golden Knights uh, four games to one. Uh, so um, Dominic Ducharme sat down with Corey Perry. Uh, to try and 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 determine how the the stars were able to beat um, last year's edition of the Knights. You know, uh, we worked hard and, and played well defensively last year, and we're going to have to have that, that same mindset. Um, we know they have a lot of firepower over there, and they they have four lines that can play some some D that to, or top, some top D in this league, and uh, and a goalie that's playing really well. So uh, it's going to be a good challenge for us, and uh, you know we're excited. So that's your scouting report from Corey Perry, um, a year old. Yeah. But, but um, uh, in his estimation, the team hasn't uh, changed a, a whole lot. Uh, for Pete DeBoer, who is uh, yeah. one of the elite coaches in uh, the National Hockey League, and if you doubt that, um, that uh, Pete DeBoer has been to the Final Four uh, in four of the last six seasons, twice with uh, with Vegas and twice with San Jose, uh, he is at the top of of the coaching uh, tier, um, and uh, so he decided uh, yesterday, uh, and it was Paul Maurice in his year end uh, uh, media availability that uh, revealed that uh, that he, he had a call early uh, yesterday morning and the. Uh, the two of them uh, should know they both played together in junior hockey for Windsor and uh, they coached together in uh, the OHL. Maurice as uh, as the head coach and, and DeBerra as the assistant. They've remained very good friends. Uh, so Paul Maurice said that uh, in the call they spent a couple of hours uh, breaking down uh, the Canadians and um, he said... Uh, uh, what his team has just done and what he will face against uh, Montreal uh, is what they talked about. So um, leaving no stone unturned, uh, both courses, both coaches are kind of mining all of their sources to uh, get some intel uh, on uh, their opposition. 
Yeah, and I mean, last series against the Winnipeg Jets, it felt like Dominique Ducharme was going to be, you know, uh, put to the test against a guy like Paul Maurice that has the experience that he does. And it's going to be the same way here with Pete DeBoer. So it'll be a challenge uh, for, for Dominique Ducharme in this series. But, Rick, we should talk about, okay, so who are the Vegas Golden Knights? As I said, they made it to the, to the Stanley Cup final their first year of existence. Since then, you know, you've added the likes of Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, Alex Petrangelo, Chandler Stevenson. Like, like as I said, this is this is David who has become Goliath. This is a team that has has just been put together masterfully by the by the front office in Vegas. So at this point, I mean, for fans that have not watched the Vegas Golden Knights. Who are they? How do they play? What what are they like when they get out there on the ice? It's really interesting because um, you know I've watched them a fair bit, uh, and 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 you hear others kind of describe them, and uh, they're a team um, that's based and and certainly this is what was so effective uh, against Colorado. They're a team with a fierce forecheck first and foremost. Um, they forecheck hard. They force uh, the defensemen to either make mistakes or to make simple plays uh, that are, are uh, easily defended. They rely on their depth. Um, they have strong D. Yeah. Uh, they play all four lines. They're pretty balanced. Um, they're kind of, they're kind of on paper, like a Montreal Canadiens team. Yeah. Uh, except. Uh, they're a little bit further along in the process. They they do it better, and and it's even been said that that uh, it was uh, Mark Bergevin who took a look at this team, um, and uh, when the Canadians were struggling, thought that's kind of the team that I want to uh, pattern uh, the the in in the reset uh, pattern the Montreal Canadiens with an interesting little stat. Um, and um, I don't remember which analyst uh, tweeted this, but um, said that the three heaviest teams in the NHL, that is the average weight uh, yeah. of, of the team, the three heaviest in the NHL this last season, number one, Vegas, number two, Tampa, number three, the Islanders. Yeah. All three in the semifinals. The Canadians happen to be seven or eight, I think. Um, so, uh, this is, this is, uh, a big man sport when it comes down to, uh, the, the, the attrition of, of the, uh, the playoffs and, uh, Vegas are, are a big built team. Uh, they're heavy on the four check. They, they, they punish their opponents. Um, and, and, and they, they, they've played a pretty hard game against perhaps the most, uh, skilled team in the NHL, yeah. that being uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at it, I mean, when you look at the points producers in the playoffs for the Vegas Golden Knights, you have two guys that have been there since the beginning of the franchise with William Carlson and Jonathan Marcheseau, but then you have Mark Stone and Pacioretty and Petrangelo. You know, like, it, it's remarkable, and you have Riley Smith down there at eighth leading uh, point getter, and, you know, Shea Theodore, who's just a, I really like Shea Theodore, but yeah, like, this is just a complete team. When you look at the roster, they're just complete, and then, when you look at this matchup, I think, Rick, I think the most intriguing thing to look at is the matchup of the goaltenders, and I think that you start by looking at the goaltenders, with Montreal, of course, they're here, we've talked about it, they're here because of Carey Price, when you look at the other crease with Marc-Andre Fleury, 
I mean, has there been, I mean, since 2017, when the Pittsburgh Penguins won, or yeah, 2017, when they won the second cup, and then, you know, he's back again in 2018 in the Stanley Cup final. We remember back to the Alan Walsh thing with the with the sword in the back last year. But I mean, when you look at it over time, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, except for one, you know, sort of um, bad spell in the middle of his career in Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, his playoff numbers just were not there. Uh, he has been a very, very good goaltender in the NHL playoffs. And I think probably one of the better ones over the last four years. So that matchup is going to be really intriguing to watch. Well, the Canadians had a, a, a Vezina quality goalie in Hellebuck last uh, series, yeah. uh, arguably better than than uh, a flurry, um, and uh, and and were able to to uh, defeat the the Jets. Now there there's all kinds of other factors involved, and and Flurry's been playing behind a much better team than certainly Carey Price has in in yeah. the last few years, but. Um, that he has been very good in the playoffs. Uh, he he hasn't necessarily had the uh, high quality chances as as much. Um, as I said, uh, Alex Peter Andrew, what a smart pickup! Yeah, uh, to go out and get your uh, your number one uh, defenseman. Uh, Pete Burr called him the best player uh, by far in the uh, Vegas uh, Colorado series. Um, the, the 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 depth of the roster um, you saw someone like Ryan Reeves sitting uh, uh, in in the Colorado series uh, who had made a difference in in the regular season and would have added to that uh, you know that heavy Heaviest, uh, uh, yeah. part uh, and <laughs> and but um, you know against a, a very quick fourth line of of uh, Colorado, uh, he wasn't. It wasn't necessarily the the right fit. Yet the the fourth line that they had, Carrier and Colasar, uh, they they were great uh, in that that series. Uh, on the depth side, the the uh, Colorado Avalanche have used twenty five players uh, from their roster in the uh, playoffs. That's tops in the NHL. Yeah, they have received points from twenty one of those players. That's tops in the NHL. That's balance. That's that's real true balance. Um, yeah. That top line is, um, you know, when, when you go kind of line by line, I would say that the Canadians certainly have the edge on the fourth line. The the, the Perry Stahl Armia, who looked tremendous in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at uh, the third line um, with Tuck, you got a, a third line with uh, Alex Tuck on. I think they've been and uh, Nick Waugh, they've been great in the playoffs. But that first line with Pacioretty, uh, Stevenson, and um, Mark Stone, and and Mark Stone uh, is a Selkie candidate. And I, I know there's a lot made of of uh, uh, Phil Deneau. And and uh, interestingly enough, that you know we've talked about. Uh, that first series uh, with Toronto and Phil Deneau, um, you know, took some victory laps and as the media were applauding him for shutting down Marners and Matthews. And I, I saw the um, uh, Dom Lecician, uh in the athletics say, uh, that's a bit of a myth uh, because yeah. uh, the chances, uh, Marners, Matthew and Hyman had a huge number of chances. It was Carey Price. It had nothing to do with, with uh, Deneau. But in Vegas... They have a legitimate uh, Selkie candidate, 
his name is Mark Stone. Uh, he's, uh, he effectively shut down that, that top line uh, with the help of Stevenson and Pacioretty. But the other part of it is that uh, uh, Stone does something that you don't get at all from uh, Deneau, and that's contribute on the offensive side. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has been uh, a tremendous for, for Vegas uh, through the playoffs. So that, that first line, uh, the first and third line, I think that uh, the Canadians are, are going to have to be particularly uh, wary about. And, uh, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, when we look on defense, the Canadians are going to need uh, Jeff Petrie, uh, especially yeah. given the way that they haven't had a true uh, third pairing, and uh, uh, they've rotated those guys in with with uh, their other uh, four defensemen. And now, if, if that drops to three, it's going to be even a bigger challenge. Yeah, and I mean, it's as you said, I mean, with the Vegas Golden Knights, it's going to come in waves. The Canadians have faced you know high powered offenses. They caught listen. And it might be important to note, I mean, the Canadians, as, as we talked about, they're here because of Carey Price. They also caught some breaks along the way, not playing John Tavares in the first round and with Mark Shifley being suspended as well. But they've been able to handle high-powered offenses relatively well, and a large part of that has to go to Carey Price. So it'll be interesting to see with this type of depth that the Vegas Golden Knights have, if they're able to do that again, because as you say, I think the the sort of uh, the alarm bells always have to be on with the Vegas Golden Knights because they can get you in multiple different ways. And as you said, with 21 of the 25 players that have suited up for them recording a point, they do it better than anybody else. So that'll be something to watch as the series goes uh, uh, goes forward. But Rick, um, what will be the keys to victory for either side? Um, and I guess we'll start with the Montreal Canadiens and I mean, probably Carey Price. I guess you can start there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be Carey Price. Um, you know that I think one of the best analysts uh, in hockey, um, and uh, particularly in the area of analytics, because there's a lot of guys out there that that scrape numbers and and they use other people's numbers. Uh, Steve Alicat charts, and his crew at Clearsight Analytics, they chart every shot. Uh, they have their own data to work from. That's why I think his is is so superior to um, anyone else's. And Steve Valiquet, former um, uh, uh, NHL goaltender, um, he he has a particular way with uh, goaltender insight. And according to his metrics, if you look at ClearSight, uh, Price has been the best goalie in the, in the playoffs by far. And that's when it comes to expected goals against. Um, he He's charted, uh, that is Steve Alicat, 292 scoring chances against, allowing just 22 goals. Um, and that should be far higher than that, according to the shot quality. Um, he has faced uh, point blank 16 rebound, uh, rebound opportunities, and he's allowed one goal. And uh, Steve argues that, that any one of them uh, could have could have been a goal. Um, and uh, Steve says that Carey Price has been the best performing goaltender in the playoffs. And this is a quote: "When the score is tied, uh, when the score is tied, Price has stopped seven more goals than he should have allowed in." Uh, that's the stat that really shows he's dialed in, uh, says uh, Steve Valiquet. So. Um, the other part of it is 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 very interesting that, uh, and most of the analysts, even even Dom Lissition will show this that 
the Canadians uh, weren't a very good uh, penalty kill team during the year. They've been great on yeah. the penalty kill during uh, the playoffs. Why is that? Is their penalty kill gotten a whole lot better? No. When you look at it, uh, when you look at expected goals uh, on the, the penalty, they're still as just as high as they were uh, during the regular season. So it, it isn't the penalty killers. It's Carey Price and Carey uh, Price's uh, save percentage on the um, uh, on the penalty kill has soared during the playoffs. He's the reason uh, that that the Canadians have been so good on the penalty kill as well. Uh, Vegas has a pretty good penalty kill uh, as well, so maybe special teams won't be as big of a an, uh, an issue or a deciding factor here. Uh, I think that's going to come as as both teams make the bread and butter on the five on five. So uh, that's probably where the the, the series will be decided. But uh, the Canadians are going to be need Carey Price to be every bit of. Uh, what he's been through uh, the first two rounds, and they're going to have to contribute a little bit more because yeah. uh, Vegas presents a a whole new challenge. And I mean, as this year, as the playoffs have gone on, I mean, Carey Price has been tremendous throughout. He's been the one constant. Other guys have stepped up along the way. You've gotten offensive production, as you said, from that fourth line: Perry, Stahl, and Armia. You've gotten the young guys producing Suzuki and Caulfield. Tyler Toffoli's come around. The top four defense has gotten better. And as you said, not having Jeff Petrie, that's going to be a factor early on in this series. And you hope to get him back sooner rather than later because he can he can help you out. One guy that I'm going to pencil and I'm going to circle here, Josh Anderson. The Montreal Canadiens yeah. are going to need something from Josh Anderson. He has to be a factor. And I've, I've been very patient with Josh Anderson because I liked a lot of what he did in the regular season. But just one goal in the playoffs, one point, they need him to do something here because this is a series that should this should be a, a style of play that he he can you know thrive in for sure uh, you know you you would think so they'll need something from Josh Anderson and I and I'm sure he's aware of that but he's got to find a way to get through here because the Canadians are going to need something there but um, on the opposite end Rick so the Vegas Golden Knights as you said they've been here before they've been in this spot but they've been unable to get back to the Stanley Cup final since their first year. What are the keys for them to get through and for this to be the year they get back? Well, uh, the last round, uh, Paul Maurice said that the difference in the series was that the Canadians got to the blue paint and we didn't. That was, for him, the difference. The Canadians may have a tougher time getting to the, the blue point, paint, so they're going to need, as you said, uh, guys like Josh Anderson, guys like Brendan Gallagher, um, uh, going to to the blue paint. The the, the ones who are, are going to prevent that, uh, Petr Angelo for sure, McNabb, mm-hmm. Theodore Martinez. They their top four is very very good on the back end, and and they will they will have a say in uh, and they've done a, a very good job. Uh, keeping the rebounds down, uh, clearing the rebounds, and and keeping the crease the crease clear for Mark Andre Fleury. Um, up front, uh, you know, it's it's tough to predict because they get offense from all over the place. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just um, it, it's going to be interesting for me to to watch that Patrick Stevenson Stone line because they're sh- so used to going up against elite players and shutting them down. They won't have that so much uh, if 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 Deneau, uh, the Deneau line gets matched up against them. 
Um, I would, I expect that, that, uh, uh, in Vegas, that we're going to see that line go against uh, uh, Suzuki, the Suzuki yes. Caulfield to Foley line, and that'll be really fascinating to see Suzuki Pacioretty not playing the same position, but head to head in the line matchups, um, and and can they be, uh, you know, the, the Suzuki uh, Caulfield and Toffoli aren't uh, as dangerous as as the Colorado uh, McKinnon line. Uh, but, but, uh, and, and Caulfield has, has contributed, uh, two, uh, he's, he's got four assists, two very important assists, a yes. uh, game changing assists. Uh, but we're going to need to see some goals from, um, mm-hmm. uh, very young Cole Caulfield and, and, uh, Tyler Toffoli to, to continue what he's done, uh, during the regular season, leading the Canadians in goal production. Yeah, Rick, it's going to be a fascinating series, and there's a lot of different storylines, lots of different angles uh, to look at it from. So we're just going to be very excited once this series gets underway on Monday. Uh, So we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll get to the question of the week. Simply, what is your prediction for this series? And get to some uh, text, tweets, and emails. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 140 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. 
so Rick, um, we should say you mentioned earlier on in the show uh, your pod, the Dynasty by Decade podcast that you did with Terry Ryan on the '70s, the Canadians of the '70s, focusing on the 1971 and '75 Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I mentioned how last week I was going to give that a listen. And Rick, I should say that I, I did. I, I didn't yet. I okay, didn't yet. Okay. Because, and here's why. I'm going to give a really good reason why. Uh, <laughs> because I'm very much looking forward to listening to it. But uh, next week, uh, myself, well, actually Tuesday, uh, we will be heading across the island of Newfoundland, me, my parents, uh, to the West Coast. Uh, we've never been there. So uh, I figured what a better, what better thing to have to listen to than you and Terry Ryan chopping it up about the 1970 Montreal Canadiens. And my dad, being a huge Canadiens fan, especially of the teams from, from the 1970s. We'll have that to listen to as we're driving. It's going to be perfect. Sounds perfect. And and your dad is a tremendous uh, uh, yeah. Canadian fan. <laughs> Met him at, at the drafts. And and uh, I'm sure uh, that, uh, well, I'm, I'm interested to hear if he enjoys it. Uh, it it might help that fellow Newfoundlander, uh, Terry yes. Ryan, is uh, my co-host. Uh, and uh, and drops in some uh, Newfoundland references. So, uh, <laughs> in addition to uh, us talking all about the 1970s uh, Montreal Canadiens dynasty team, uh, you can find that podcast, the the uh, Dynasty by Decade uh, podcast, at the Hockey Podcast Network, hockeypodcastnetwork.com, and uh, they're doing a whole series. Uh, there's uh, Leafs from the 60s. You don't want to listen to that. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. No, go ahead if you if you want to listen to that. <laughs> there's the Canadians from the 70s, and I think yeah. uh, episode three is about the Flyers. Yes, um, yeah. But uh, you want to you want to listen to the Canadians one, and yeah. uh, we're, I'll be interested <laughs> to hear what uh, the comments of yourself and uh, and your dad. Yeah, and we look forward to listening to it. Trip. It's going to be yeah, it'll be great. It'll be yeah, absolutely. It's going to be great to get out into the West Coast and to have something to listen to as we make that uh, make that drive. Uh, Rick, we should say uh, we we do have a question of the week, um, and and I will mention, of course, once again, because I I like to mention when I when I'm right about stuff. Uh, <laughs> I had noticed. I pre- yeah, you didn't no, notice that. No, okay. Well, it's good, it's good that it's 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 good it's subtle a little bit, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had the Habs in seven against the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, this will be a different challenge. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, predicting is not something that I usually do because I'm not that good at it. So I like to, you know, pat myself on the back when I'm right. So Vegas is going to be a bit of a different one, isn't it? It's probably uh, mm-hmm. probably going to go Vegas's way, but uh, I don't know. Optimism worked last time around. Maybe I'll do it again. <laughs> well, you know who has been uh, predicting Montreal Canadiens wins, uh, series wins consistently, mm. and that's our colleague Ben Dankyu. Uh, he, he does uh, videos on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash allhabs. Ben Dankyu uh, runs uh, the Montreal Fan Forum. It's, he's a fan. He's a passion, passionate fan. Um, he gets very excited, and uh, he does reaction videos, and those usually come out uh, middle of the week. Uh, and so you want to go to our our All Habs uh, YouTube page, and uh, and and check those out. Uh, even yeah. even the past ones. Last week he he brought in some props for his uh, yeah his sweep uh, <laughs> video, and uh, yeah they're uh, they're fun. I think you'll enjoy. There yeah, Ben Ben's great. So you definitely want to check out those reaction videos up at All Habs uh, All Habs YouTube channel. Um, so, uh, Rick, in addition to that, so we did have some 
texts and emails that came in, one specifically about Max Pacioretty. Um, would you like to get to that? Oh, we'll do it quickly. And, and that is, and, and um, I, there, there is a negative uh, view towards Max Pacioretty. Listen, Max Pacioretty was a, a great captain. Uh, he was a perennial 35-goal uh, player. Uh, and and um, I, I, I appreciated Max Pacioretty when he played for the Canadians, and I wish him well uh, when, when he left the organization. And I'm happy to have Nick Suzuki um, in the organization now. Um, mm-hmm. But much of this is driven, uh, you know, there's still the, the Subanistas, if you want to call them that, the, yeah. the, the uh, P.K. Subban fans that thought that Max Pacioretty was the reason that uh, uh, P.K. got uh, shipped out of town. That's not true. Uh, there was some comments made by uh, Jeff Molson and Mark Bergevin when he left about demanding a trade. That wasn't true, or at least those words were tr- twisted. Um, Max Pacioretty was devoted to Montreal. He would have loved to stay in Montreal. Uh, as far as quietly fundraising, he did far more than, than Subban ever did. Um, and 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 go ahead and boom all you want once he gets to the Bell Center. But uh, he he enjoyed uh, being a Montreal Canadian. So uh, the message uh, about Max Pacioretty is um, seems to be one of, well, he's not that good anyway. Um, This coming from Antoine says people seem to be forgetting what an absolute dud Max Pacioretty is and how he made a career out of scoring empty net goals and being carried by his teammates. I'll gladly play Vegas any day. Careful what you wish for there, Antoine. Yeah. Uh, none of what he said is happens to be true uh, whatsoever. Uh, Max Pacioretty, um, uh, I, I, I don't know who tagged him with that empty net thing, uh, but the last two seasons in uh, Montreal, while he was scoring his 30 goals, he had uh, one, one uh, empty net goal and two empty net goals. Uh, Respectively, and our, our colleague um, Mike Rashel uh, said, you know, even if it was true, even if it yeah. was true um, uh, that uh, that he he got a, a number of empty minute, it show it's a compliment to his game if he was out there. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> in 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 a clutch shutdown situation, and we know that uh, Max is is an excellent uh, two way player played. PK uh, when he was in Montreal and uh, as we said in the previous segment uh, was uh, tasked along with Mark Stone Chandler Stevenson of shutting down um, uh, the Avalanche's top line and the top line arguably in the NHL and I mean you know anybody suggesting that Max Pacioretty during his time was carried to his production by anybody I mean his his centerman for years was (laughs) David DeHarnay like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways, it, we yeah, understand silly. that there's going to be, you know, a, a reception for uh, Max Pacioretty. That isn't perhaps uh, what it should be. And, you know, we, we saw it in the first round with Alex Galchenyuk as well. Uh, this is obviously a bit of a different situation with Pacioretty being a former captain. But, uh, yeah, um, Max Pacioretty was uh, certainly not carried to his offensive production in Montreal. That is just not the case. Interesting uh, that Pierre-Luc yeah. uh, Dubois got uh, serenaded yeah. in the second round by, by the did, Bell Center they? fans. Yeah, he did. Hmm. Yeah, 
Interesting. Interesting, yeah. that one. <laughs> uh, Rick, we should say that the Montreal Canadiens are going to play three games this week. You've got game one going Monday, game two Wednesday, game three on Friday. And, Rick, this is going to be an incredible series to watch. Lots of different storylines, as we discussed in segment number two. So uh, we look forward uh, to that game, uh, game one on Monday. Be sure that uh, while you're enjoying the games, you're interacting with us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, wherever, or send us uh, an email, as many have been doing at info at allhabs.net, or uh, our 24-hour Rocket Sports text line. That's always 5853-ROCKET. You can text us anytime you have something to say and anytime you you have a question, you, you want to contribute to yeah. the conversation. We're always uh, very happy to hear from you. The only thing we ask you to do is subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to Canadians Connections, subscribe to the Press Zone, and make sure that you share that uh, with your Canadians fans. And there's more and more joining uh, the bandwagon uh, as we make it through each round of the playoffs. Absolutely, Rick. It's going to be uh, incredible. So uh, we will say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And we'll be back, or Rick will be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. (laughs) 